Hey everyone, and welcome to the Inner Crime Ministries podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us, and we hope today's episode inspires you to become more in love with Jesus. To learn more about Inner Cry, who we are, and what we do, visit our website at www.innercry.org. Thanks for listening. If you were here last week, you heard me teach on moving downward, that the cross Once Jesus was crucified, he was buried. You see, he was put in the ground. And then what did he do? He went even deeper. He visited the spirits of the dead and he preached to them. So once we have entered into the ministry of Christ, we are in a descent. Why are we in a descent? Because of this very reason. The ambitions and the hidden agendas of man will always lead to confusion and strife. Why? Because our eyes are focused on the man or the agenda instead of Jesus. So what we're trying to understand as people is why we're so confused with our own journey as to why what God has put in our heart is not being executed well, whether it's individually or corporately. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you in that you might reveal yourself in this message and that your message will come forth to speak to us and show us the way unto maturity. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember me telling you that this downward trend is what Jesus says when he says, if you want to be the greatest, then you must become the least in the kingdom of God. And if you want to be the greatest of all, you must become a slave of all. And I believe it's Luke who says, and when you are around others, you must become like you the youngest of all. And even Paul says that as an apostle, which is ranked at the highest position of authority in the church, he said, we came among you, not authoritative over you, but we came as the youngest, like children among you. And then he said, I chose to know nothing except for Christ and Christ crucified when I was with you. There is a position that has great authority that always moves downward. The world has taught us is that the only place of importance or value is at the top, not at the bottom. Every situation in this world requires you to be the best to succeed at it. And yet in the kingdom, you notice that Jesus did not choose the best. When he chose his 12, he chose those the father gave him, John 17. So we know that God chose even the strangest of leadership to prove to you and I, I'm going to be okay. Because God chose Peter to lead the Jerusalem church. If we can understand that God is working in our heart, to move in a downward direction. We can understand why that's so important. I'm going to read a scripture from last week, and it is from 1 Corinthians, I believe this is chapter 12, and I think it's 33. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, remember we're called the body of Jesus Christ. And he says there's the eye, the hand, the foot, and each part is unique and different. And one, and my hand does not try to become my eye in the middle of this sermon because that would be weird and y'all would think something was wrong with me. But 
So many times we want to be somebody else. I'm the eye and I'm trying to leave the eye socket and be on the hand because the hand is more important in my mind. Before long, the bride of Christ, if we all had that agenda, we would be that, that monster in the movie our, with an eye in the middle of the forehead, our nose down here on a shoulder. That's not a beautiful bride, okay? So what he's identifying here is that we all have to learn the downward trend of each role in everyone's life because unity is at the bottom and disunity is at the top. And the bride of Christ is growing together. Now, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for off and on for a number of years. I've been involved in unity gatherings but I also did that in my city and in different churches. And my pastor that was a senior pastor at the time was incredible with uniting pastors. In fact, he put together all these ecumenical gatherings. But it never brought our churches together as one. And it shouldn't. It doesn't start at the top. It starts at the bottom. Because at the bottom, there is no difference between you and me. At the top, we can see the distinct differences, can't we? And then we're known at the top because of our distinction and how we stand out. So to become one body that's not freaky, where the arm is way over here because it doesn't like where the body's going, wouldn't that be weird? Your bride comes down the aisle, men, and she's missing an eyeball, and the other one is in the middle of her forehead. Do you think that's attractive, men? Jesus doesn't think it's attractive either. He knows where he's going with his body, his bride. And where he's going is he's teaching us through his life journey how to become one bride, perfectly united as one. But the enemy is producing an opposing force and has been for about 75 to 80 years. And that opposing force is found in the brokenness of hurting children. I'll come back to that. I want you to look, if you've got this open, listen to this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker seem to be weaker, are indispensable. So that's a posture. So if I've got somebody that I consider to be the weaker, my posture is they're indispensable. That's what Paul's saying to us. And on those parts of the body that we think, that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our most presentable parts do not require. In other words, for those of you who have a beautiful nose like mine, it's okay for it to be out in public. But God has so composed the body, giving, God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body. You hear that? It's a flip. The ones who have no honor, we're going to honor the greatest. And the ones who we all look at and go, wow, you're really pretty. 
you're really handsome, you're really intelligent, you speak amazing. We're putting them on the bottom of the list. And we're putting all those people that everyone would consider like, who are you? I didn't even know you were here. No, 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 we're putting them at the most valued and honored place. Why? So that there's no division in the body. Are y'all tracking with me? That was a review of last week and the week before. Everybody with me? Okay? Because I'm going to talk about women in ministry tonight. Now, before you go there in your heart, you just need to know we have women in ministry here. In leadership. Go back a little bit of history. So, um, a guy who mentored me, Dr. Gary Gregg, Dr. Gregg was probably one of the most brilliant Hebrew professors. He did a complete breakdown of the story of Phoebe in the Bible, in the New Testament. Phoebe is a feminine name. It's only found in the Greek in a feminine name. And it identifies this person as apostolic. So, just so you know, I'm going to start out with that. But I'm going to circle back around to another scripture that almost acts as a dichotomy to what I just said. So listen, we're going to clear this up hopefully tonight. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. This is in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33 through 35. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. But you got to know the backstory on this. Paul, in the first Corinthian letter, is actually addressing some women who used to be, they were prophetess and prostitutes. Why? Because the temple that they were in, which at the time, this particular temple, they used uh, prostitution to address the gods. So these women were of high authority, powerful priestess. And these women were now believers and they were in the church. And if you go backwards two chapters, what you see is they stand up and start speaking in tongues, wanting to be heard. Paul was addressing it in the previous chapter. And then he gave position to the woman in that place. Now, why is that so important? Because there is a starting place for all of us. Uh, let me back up. Joyce Myers I, when I was a young man, I used to love Joyce. I, she was one of the few teachers that I could really chew. And at the time, she talked about David, her husband, being the full authority in their home. But she was also probably in her late 50s when I first started seeing her. But when she was a young woman, she was anointed as a teacher, but she was not submitted to David. And she tells this story. And so... She and him butted heads for years until she finally learned what it meant to submit. This friend of mine who worked in their ministry said that Joyce submitted every decision to David. And she bragged about it from the pulpit. When she stepped off of that pulpit, David was leading her as a husband. 
but she was speaking over lots of men and lots of women. But it says that she's supposed to be silent. So what's the difference? Well, let me just say this. This is not about women, nor is this about men being in authority. You know what this is about? It's about order. It's about order. And you know, I'm just going to tell you ladies, there's nothing more humiliating to go to a job site as a man and you be the greenhorn and have to be razzed daily by every other man there of what a loser you are. So every one of us in life have places in which all of our pride gets crushed. But that's how it is in life, right? All of us need that humbling place. The thing that you heard me say last week, that if you're the greatest, you become the least. But what we just read also, that everyone's posture is that if I'm over something, I'm posturing myself to be under it. So it's interesting how a woman is hardwired and a man is hardwired and God asks us to be over the ladies and the ladies under us. Both positions are extremely humbling. If you switch it, we all know what happens there. Nobody's happy. And everything is in chaos. Is it because the woman can't lead? Nope, that's not what it is. It's the way of an order of things. Now I'm going to show you something. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to show you why this is so important. I want you to go to... First Peter, and remember, if God is asking you to go under your husband, he's asking you to go up. It's a posture of attitude. What is God doing in that moment? He's producing in you the call on your life because we all have to go down. Your role starts with your husband or your mate by going down. But guess what? If we read it, the man has to go down too. So watch. First uh, Peter 3. How many of you got your Bibles out with your phones? Come on, we need you to see your word together. Because this is so important for those of you who have never been taught this. Listen very carefully. It will help your marriage or who you choose as a mate. Ready? Verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. That even if some do not obey the word, watch this, they, without a word, without a word from you, may be won by the conduct of their wives. What? Without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct, what does some of your translations say? your respectable and pure, pure conduct. Do not let your adornment be merely outward arrangements. So now we're talking about women and how adorned they are by God when they are stepping into the role that God made them to be. So when you become everything God intended you to be, these beautiful ornaments start coming out of you and you start looking like the bride of... Well, wait, hold on. 
Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and not afraid with any terror. So the enemy of being this person is fearfulness and the fear that leads to terror. Now, where would that come from? Why would that be so hard to do? Why would that be so hard for a woman to do? She was not stewarded well as a child, and then maybe with a boyfriend, in such a way that you weren't stewarded well, that you do not trust any kind of masculine authority. And because of those wounds, when you hear this, it puts fear. Or when your husband or boyfriend starts to act less than Jesus, you become afraid of his stewardship of you. So this, in the church, what we've got to do is it has to be equal parts of love. The man has to steward her well. Look at the next part, y'all. It says, husband, likewise dwell with them with understanding. Do you know how hard that is to do with men? You know how hard that is? Because we're clueless. You ladies are hardwired in the most amazing way. And God made it that way so that we could be in awe of you all the rest of our lives. But learning to understand you is like you coming under us when we're so not like Jesus. They're both difficult, right? So watch this. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Oh my goodness. So if I want to lead my family by listening to God and responding, I cannot get in a place with my wife where I'm in conflict. It hinders my prayers. So every time she becomes contentious, I have to come in under that or I lose my place with the Lord. So ladies, that if your husband has to position himself low, then you have to go lower so that you are under that covering that's not him, but it says unto the Lord. You're not submitting to your husband alone. You're submitting as unto the Lord. This is so beautiful. How many know where Ephesians is at? If you do, please go there. We're going to read a little bit more. And I think you're going to love this because this explains why God's asking us to have order in our home. Chapter 5. Now, we just read Peter's version of that. Now we're going to read Paul's. By the way, Paul's insights are a little different than Peter's. 
We don't know. Paul may have been divorced early on before him and Jesus met. But he was single for the rest of his life. So he has a lot more of general statement, but he's speaking more of the church. So we're going to stick with him, okay? So here we go. Uh, 22, verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Are we as the church subject to Jesus in everything or just a few things? What happens when we're not as a church subject to all that Jesus is saying? Didn't we read some of that over in James? We didn't quite get to the part I was looking for where all kinds of spirits enter in because of the agendas and the disruption of all those agendas that leads to factions. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So there's this sacrificial giving of whatever he wants, it's secondary to whatever my family, my wife, my kids need. This sacrificial life that has to look like Jesus. Okay, so now look at this. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. What? So I bring holiness to my home when I act like Jesus? And sacrifice myself for my wife's greater good? That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. Notice how in Peter, it was throwing the weight on the woman, her posture would pull the man in. This is throwing the weight on the man, is saying if he positions himself right, he brings holiness to his wife. He purifies her by the way he loves her. What? And why do we do that? So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bone. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, not a husband and wife. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wow. Doesn't mean you respect him when he's respectable. It means you treat him the way you want him to be. Now watch this. It says to both of us that if I treat my wife the way Christ treats the church, it makes her holy. If I treat my husband the way I want him to be, he will become that because I will draw him up to that place. Trust me, ladies, it will. Some men, it takes a little longer than others. Now, it is not your responsibility to save your spouse. But 
if we're good stewards of our home, one day we'll be good stewards of the church. You see, I talked about last week going low instead of going high in the church. And that going high has created all kinds of chaos and disunity. And the reason why is because too many people, their marriage has never found order. And therefore they don't know how to love the church. They could not stay through the process of learning. Y'all know my wife, she's a leader. Sometimes stronger than me as a leader. When we got married, it was crazy. And it was crazy for a while because neither one of us was being taught this in this way. We were being told, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, but not why. And as we were leaders in the church, I was having to stay in this place with my bride of learning this powerful woman who God had raised up and how to treat her as Christ treats the church and give myself up for her. And and we were talking about this the other day, like as God was developing her and the gifts in her, sometimes I would just look at her and go, what in the world is happening? I felt so torn because, you know, you're like, okay, tradition says she should be this or she should be that. No, I was working out the way I'm treating you today is what I worked out in my bride. Are you hearing me? And the reason we don't have good stewards in leadership in church is the very reason the book of Timothy tells us what elders should be. What it's saying is if you don't have control of your own home, I don't mean perfect at all. What I mean is you are working daily towards what this says. And the order you're seeking out as a couple and as parents is this order so that you may learn how to love the church well and to be the church. Hello? Now what that means is, and please stay with me here in this part, that means if you can't do that, you need healing. You heard me make this statement. If you're wounded and hurt and unhealed, promise you you're hurting other people. I promise you you are. In some way or another, small or great, if you're hurt badly and you're walking around being a poor steward of your own pain and taking it to someone who can help you get healed, I promise you, your life is hurting somebody else or you're not loving anybody. Because where there's a deep wound, I'm not operating like this. I'm protecting myself self-preservation, hiding my heart, not allowing others to love me well, and I'm not loving others well in that place I'm broken. So if I read stuff to you tonight, ladies, and in your heart there was a struggle about what I was saying, you need healing so that you are free to see what Jesus is saying to the church. This is not about a woman or a man, male or female. I'm sorry that I even had to say that today, that they somehow have to both be stated, but they do. 
And here we are in this moment right now, and it's not about whether women are more authoritative and have the right to be there or men or equality or any of that. That creates more division and strife and pain. Jesus has a way in which he's going to heal the church, and it's simple. I'm not saying submit to a husband at all. I'm saying submit unto the Lord first and foremost. Until you learn that place with Jesus, it's going to be hard to do that with a man because it's just going to be you and the man. But you just need to understand that we're, if we're trying to go this way as husband and wife, we're never going to get there. And trust me, if you're following Jesus, God's going to take you both there. And remember how I joked around, like when you get to the bottom of those steps of ambition, you get down there and there's someone else there and they go, well, no, 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 I'm the lowest. No, 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 I'm the leader here. I'm the lowest. No one's down there at the bottom of the basement in the scum arguing over one who wants to crawl around on the floor as the lowest person. But in a marriage, if both read the scripture and see this, then we both posture ourselves to serve the other one. It's just telling us how to do that. And why is it so hard to a woman in the words? Because I will tell you that that is the one place the enemy comes to destroy the family. The Jezebel spirit is not a woman, so let's just get over that right now. It's a spirit, and it's not a woman or a man. It can enter a man's life and destroy him and his family, but it has a much easier way in through the woman, and that's what it does. It turns the home authority upside down. Now, what I mean by authority is, is it goes man, woman, children. That's the order. Does it mean she hears first? Sometimes it does. Many times. Sometimes the testosterone in us that drives us to go out and protect you, when that guy jumps out of the bushes to take our child away from us, that bravery and courage to step in front of you, what it takes to make a man's chemistry like that is the same chemistry that makes him go, I'm not sure what God's saying, honey. Are y'all tracking with me? So we need to recognize that we both play very important roles. So sometimes your husband needs some time to hear. And if you're always the voice of the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? He starts to doubt and lose his ability to hear himself. It humiliates him to the point where he thinks he cannot hear from God. And it slowly will belittle him so that he will not hear from the Lord. So that means the reason why Peter is telling you to position yourself so low and be quiet and gentle is to wait for him to mature to hear. And if you have the patience to do that and you won't become afraid as he's growing, it won't be long till he will surpass you in hearing if you give him the room to do so. When you love your spouse into Christ, and you shine Jesus, God will raise you up like Joyce Myers because there's so few who are willing to walk this out. 
and to stay diligent with their spouse to get to the other side so that we find the balance that God is looking for. Does that mean it's perfect? Not at all, but we know our place and how powerful it is. And ladies, I will tell you the men have authority, but you have more power. In a home where you have a man who loves you, you have the power. If he doesn't and he's mean and obnoxious and out of control and does not respect you, then I can't say that. But in a home where you have a godly man or a man who's moving towards godliness, you carry the power of the home. You can make the children submit to him or become disrespectful to him. You can make him feel like he is a mighty man of God or you can make him feel like he's a total failure. You decide the direction of your home. Now, I know some of you have been broken marriages and you've restored that and you're remarried. And it still works. Whoever you're remarried to, God's still calling you to that same place. I, I'm telling you this so that you may be free from what's happening outside of here. Because what's happening out there is the exact opposite. And if we're not bringing the true light of Jesus to this situation, we are no longer the salt and light. We have to be salty, which costs you everything. It's not cheap to be the salt and the light. It will cost you your life, every bit of it. And like I said two weeks ago and last week, to become the lower one, to come under, you will find every arrogant, hidden agenda in your soul as you go down. Satan is pride and arrogance and control. And that's his way. And we are all under his tutelage since we were born. And we are going the other way to become like Christ, who was humble and meek and submitted himself unto death on the cross. So the woman I chose, she's my helpmate. And the reason she's my helpmate is not because she's gonna be my slave, but because God designed her so that I could love her and in loving her, learn how I don't know how to love her. And that makes me lean on Jesus and vice versa. Because the woman you see now reflects my glory. And that makes me really proud of her. Because she's been my wife for over 30 years. And we've labored together to figure this thing out. And I'm pretty impressed with who she is. She's pretty stinking amazing. And that's no exaggeration. I tell her all the time, she's the most godly woman I know. She hears the Lord like, unbelievable. And we got married, she was like, I don't even know why I'm with you. I'm just on your coattails. Now I'm like, I think I'm on your coattails. I'm trying to hang on. So. But both of us had to be willing to deal with so much. No one taught us this. So we taught each other in love. And listen, it was ugly. Thank God our children were small. 
Now, we didn't hurl insults and throw things at each other. But listen, it looked pretty brutal in the beginning. But look how it's turned out. Because I know what it takes to see someone who comes in here and has never been in the church and how to see them fully mature into a saint because I walked with someone for 30 years and saw how she had to get to the other side. And then I saw it in my own self. And because of our marriage, because of our labor for each other, I now understand there's no shortcuts to a godly person. There's no shortcuts to a sold-out, on-fire Christian. There's no microwave. It's just love, love, love. And then when they get really weird and you don't know what to do with them, you just keep loving them. And that's the church. And the reason the church is so mixed up right now, it's not that it's like, like abusive. It's more like it just doesn't have the direction that leads us to maturity. And the reason why is we need more fathers and mothers. We got plenty, Paul said, of teachers. But we need fathers and mothers. So if we can do this, y'all, and God's calling us to it, we can learn what it means to be crucified with Christ. That's what Paul said. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. So my wife submitted unto me, and now she leads all these ministries. So am I against women in ministry? No. But there's a way into leadership for a woman, and she must learn that way. In the same way with us men. I have been humiliated over and over and over by life and my journey. And we'll continue to be in that place as a student because that's what God's trying to do with us. And just when I think I might be on top of it, eh, something new comes up like, oh, okay, Lord, because the end goal is eternity, not here. Amen? So I want to just say this over you tonight. If you've been hurt or wounded by your father or the lack of a father or your mother or the lack of a mother, There is a way of healing. And your way of healing is your road to a deep intimacy with Jesus. He's not really rejecting you because of your hurt. He's actually said, I came for those who are not well, not for the well. So if you're not well tonight and you recognize that when I was sharing some things, there's your pathway to the deepest intimacy with God you have ever had. It's not your disqualification. It's the place of power and great authority. So join me in that journey of finding that place. And if you don't have anyone to help you get to the other side of your pain, there are plenty here who know how to do that. Did you want to say something? Yes, you do. I want to say if you need any prayer tonight or you want to just grab somebody, come up here or we're up here, we'll pray with you or we'll set another time to pray. Before you pray, I feel like the Lord said to do this. Y'all close your eyes. I just want to say this over you. If you were abused as a child or neglected or ignored as a child by a father, on behalf of your father, 
on behalf of the church, I'd like to ask you to forgive me for that neglect. Forgive me on behalf of your dad or the lack of your dad for what he did or did not do. The Lord never intended for that to happen to you. And his heart was saddened and broken for what you went through. And tonight I want you to receive this word from the Lord. He told me to say this over you. Please forgive me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you are an example of love. First love. Lord, I thank you that you teach us that. As our hearts are availed to you, and we avail our hearts one to another, Lord, washing each other's feet, that our hearts are changed, our lives are changed, and generations are changed. God, we ask that you would just be with us. You would show us those places in our heart, God, where we fear to love and be loved because of the things of the past. God, move us forward so our hearts can be open, that we can love our spouses, we can love our family, and that our children will see that because they are the inheritance of the Lord. Generation to generation to generation, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can gather in your name. We thank you, Lord, for your blood. Yes, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for tonight that we hear your word, God. Now, God, let it be lived out in our lives. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here at Intercry, we're a home of grace, a mission base, and a house of prayer. If you'd like to support what God is doing here in our community and all over the world and this podcast, you can give on our website at intercry.org give. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.